we sort of miss it. Like we're wanting to eat healthy so that we feel better, so that we can be more productive, so that we can give more in our lives. And it, diets can just sort of lead you down this path where you're just so out of tune with your body, with how it feels, with how you feel good, with what makes you feel not so good. And it's different for every person. But I do think that every single person does better with real food. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. You're on air with Ella, and today we're joined by the beautiful and fun Sarah Adler. She's the creator of SimplyRealHealth.com and this exquisitely beautiful cookbook called the Simply Real Health Cookbook. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, listen, I this is how we met, guys. Sarah sent me a copy of her book, The Simply Real Health Cookbook. And you know I'm absolutely remedial in the kitchen. So you you, you got my attention with the word simply on the cover, but I don't I didn't believe it. And then I opened the book. First of all, it's gorgeous. Sarah, it's stunning. Thank you. It is. It's really stunning. And the recipes are so simple and straightforward that even a third grader like me, metaphorically speaking, can handle them. So I applaud you. Oh, good. Thank you. I know it is. A lot of people talk about, sim- you know, simple this. It's so simple. It's so easy. But like, truly, that's what I mean. I feel like I need like a disclaimer on it. I'm like, no, really, like really simple, like, you know, five ingredients less, 10 minutes or less. It's all normal food, you know, that you don't have to go to a special store for. But I know, I feel like I do need that little byline. I'm like, no, really, in parentheses. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Just try it. (laughs) So that's the basis of your whole model, right? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I own a company called Simply Real Health. And um, what I do is basically teach people how to eat healthy, but made simple because I think the world of healthy eating, as you know, like just gets very confusing and overwhelming sometimes. Like there's just always all these new studies. There's all these different types of diets. Like everybody has different opinions and sort of through my own story of like, I basically did everything and and learned about every type of diet just because I was interested in it. But I found that it was actually not as helpful because it was just all conflicting with each other. So I basically teach people how to eat and doing it in a way that they just simplify their whole life. You simplify your food and then you simplify the rest of your life. Everything becomes so much easier. And when you do that, not only do you feel better and you have a lot more time and you have a lot more energy to focus on the things that matter, but it also has this really sort of crazy impact that it starts to like impact your relationship to food and you actually like once you start simplifying your food and understanding more just about like clean food and pure food whole food and not making it super complicated it enables you to have a much better relationship to food where it's more happy and joyful and you don't feel guilty about things anymore so it's kind of this very funny I'm like yes I'm a nutritionist yes it starts with food but the whole philosophy is so much bigger than that just about simplifying your life and making it joyful and beautiful in everything that 
You do. Well, and today we're actually going to get into brass tacks. We're going to talk about healthy foods that may actually be sabotaging your success. And we're going to be talking about something people have just been begging for, which is some easy real food swaps, if you know what I mean, like eat this, not that type of thing. So that's cool. That's where we're going. But one of the reasons that I wanted to talk with you and one of the reasons we wanted to do this together today is because when you're trying to sort of clean up, and I mean clean up your pantry or clean up your life and kind of detoxify or just start treating yourself better or nourishing you and your family better, it can feel, to your point, so overwhelming. Absolutely, and yeah. everyone has a different story about what's good for you and what will kill you and, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And, yeah. and then we contradict one another all the time. So, and, and food rules in general make me a little bit edgy because the truth is if the same thing were for everybody, then everybody would be just fine because we would have had it figured out by now. Right. Totally. And I think that's what makes it hard about diets and about different programs and about all these different opinions is that every single person is different. Right. And so it just makes you really out of tune with your own body because you're just trying to follow these rules or trying to follow the latest study or trying to you're always following something else instead of it being more of like an internal discussion like oh I'm eating this and then how does it make me feel okay that if I do it this way how does that make me feel and I think we sort of miss it like we miss the whole point we're wanting to eat healthy so that we feel better so that we can be more productive so that we can give more in our lives and it, in order to do that you need to be in tune with your own body and not totally out of tune. And I think that, I don't know, that's just my personal opinion. Like diets can just sort of lead you down this path where you're just so out of tune with your body, with how it feels, with how you feel good, with what makes you feel not so good. And it's different for every person. But I do think that every single person does better with real food. You know, the basis of all of these things I'm going to talk about today are it's not necessarily like different food categories are evil. It's no matter what it is, even if it's dessert, even if it's um, chocolate, even if it's um, pizza, you can always find a way to have a more upgraded version in terms of the content and the quality of your food. And that matters the most. It matters hugely. And I think people sort of miss it when they're following all kinds of other <laughs> prescriptions on how to eat. And, and another thing I'll add to that is that one of the things that we do is we make it overwhelming because when we make it overwhelming, that is actually an excuse to opt out. Totally. So when we make it so difficult and insurmountable, then we're like, well, obviously I can't make food for myself or for my family or for whomever because I don't have 17 hours in a week. And that when I sort of ripped the veil off of the excuses I was making in the story I was telling myself when I sort of cleaned house um, a few years ago, I was like, well, hmm, I can either figure out how to spend 90 minutes a week total, that's a total figure, <laughs> assembling real food for my family, yeah. or I can't, like it's that simple. And, and so it's not always easy and sometimes we create shortcuts, but the bottom line is what you're doing is you're making just easy swaps available to anybody who has a life, who's super busy, and who doesn't want to become a full-time chef in their own home. <laughs> All right. So I love it. So we're going to talk about, like I said, some healthy food swaps that you can make. And again, some of these will work for some people and not all of them will work for everybody. And that's fine. But the principle here is the key. So, so let's go through these and you can apply guys, the ones that you think might make sense for you. And we'll talk a little bit about the rationale behind them. So Sarah, let's talk about some healthy foods 
that are marketed to us as healthy, or maybe they even used to be healthy and they're just not anymore because the way that they're processed. (laughs) Yeah. That's always a fun surprise. You're like wheat bread used to be good for you. Not so much. (laughs) I know. Definitely. So yeah. So there's like a couple, probably five or so. I can just briefly tell you guys five of like the bigger ones. I would think that more people maybe um, are still eating and could be an easy thing to sort of switch. So um, the first one on the list is tofu. And I say this and I was like, I grew up in a vegetarian house for most of my life and then had like a brief stint of being a vegan in college for a while. And I literally lived on tofu. And so this is nothing against vegan diets or anything. It's just more on the basis that tofu is actually a very processed food. And most of the like soy in this country, soybeans are also genetically modified. So we don't really know the impacts fully of what that means. But um, the soybean itself is a real food, right? It's something that has existed for a really long time. Soybeans in, in themselves, they just have a very high amount of acid on them, which is why they usually have to be like soaked or fermented in order for us to kind of digest it better. But most tofu, because it is like this mass production thing, is not soaked and therefore has a lot of acid and therefore causes people like a lot of digestive issues. And so it's one of those things that is like used as a replacement for meat. But by the time it usually gets to the store and then to your house, like the level of processing is so high, it's probably genetically modified unless it's organic. And then it has that sort of component where it's not that easy to actually digest. And so for a lot of people can actually cause sensitivities to soy itself or to tofu and so I just say that as if it's something that's a big part of your diet or even a couple times a week that it might actually be healthier to just do like the real thing instead instead of the tofu replacement. I think that a lot of people aren't aware that soy can actually mess with your hormonal balance as well. It jacks with your estrogen, whether you're male or female. So I think this one's really important. And I'm pretty hard on soy and tofu. And that would include the vegan meat replacement Mm -hmm. stuff and that type of thing. But Sarah, you know what? I think a lot of people would be surprised to know how much soy is actually in so many products where they would not expect it. Totally. And I think it's just something good to look out for because it's, it really comes down to like the way that we are, like what we're marketed as healthy food is so different than what healthy food actually is. And so like a lot of times it's like, we never learn the distinction between like, well, is that marketing or is that actually true? And I think when you get into the world of um, meat replacements and all of these things that maybe never naturally occurred <laughs> before there was factories. And you mean, wait, 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 you mean tofurkey did not exist <laughs> with the, with, when our ancestors roamed the earth? Right. Yeah. And, but we do, we kind of were like, Oh, but we heard we need protein and we heard it's better to, you know, not eat meat. And we heard it's better to, you know, we have sort of have all these things that float around in our head when we're at the grocery store. And it sometimes it just comes back to like, we've never just learned about food for food. Like we just, we learn about food through marketing or through different diets. And that's sort of like the principle behind real food is anti all of that. It's like, nope, just see it for what it is. Where did this come from? How is it made? What are the ingredients in it? Can my body digest it? And therefore, can it use it? Is it going to give it energy? Or is it going to be like an energy suck to put this food in, even though it looks healthy and the packaging is shiny and I've heard this and this and this and this. So you sort of have to have like a grounding basis in the definition of real 
food to begin with. And I think that helped identify some of these things where you're like, huh, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's really healthy or not. So flip those protein bars around or those candy bars that are wrapped up and have really compelling packaging on them because because so many of them contain soy protein isolate and so yeah. many packaged foods contain different versions of soy. And so you, in an effort to be healthy and to feed your family well and feed yourself well, you might actually be sabotaging your digestion or your hormonal balance or heaven knows what else. You've heard me say it before, just flip the box around and read the ingredients. All right, let's talk about oatmeal. You said oatmeal is on this list. Talk to me. What? <laughs> so this is sort of twofold. So I think the first piece of it is that oatmeal, what most people eat for oatmeal is either the rolled oats or instant oats. And we're taught, I think, even from a basic, always eat breakfast in the morning. It's the most important meal of the day. And so a lot of people do, but they're running, like they're busy. They're like on their way to work and they're on the way to school and they're on their way. A breakfast sort of becomes this very hurried thing that people are kind of shoving down. And oatmeal is this easy solution because it's two minutes or something to make. Um, The problem with it though is that rolled oats and instant oats are not actually like the whole grain. It's not actually the whole oatmeal. The whole oatmeal piece is like a steel cut oat, which that takes more like 20 to 30 minutes to cook. And And all oats come from a steel cut oats. It's just a matter of how much they process it. So like a steel cut oat basically remove all of the good fiber and all of like the the B vitamins, all the benefits that whole grains do have, and they discard it because that's what takes forever to cook. And then you're left with this like sort of flake. And then even from the, you know, rolled oat flakes, then you get into instant. Basically, by the time you eat it, there's little, little nutrient value at all. And when you eat stuff like that, it actually just makes you hungrier. So it's the same thing like oatmeal and the whole grain bread. And I say that in quotes because... Again, that's something that we were taught forever. Eat more fiber, have more whole grains, eat breakfast first thing in the morning. But if you're eating something that's basically devoid of nutrients and going to make you hungrier in the first part of your day, it's actually sort of backfiring. And I think that can sabotage a lot of people too. So what I tell people is, okay, if if it's quick and easy for you, quinoa also works in place of any type of oatmeal. Like it's a neutral tasting grain. I have this great recipe in the cookbook for apple cinnamon morning quinoa. You have coconut oil in there and like apples and they get cooked down. So it's like apple pie and it's super easy. You just, you can make it in a crock pot. You can make a big batch. You can freeze it in individual containers, but like literally, you know, 10 minutes and you have just as much and it's just as quick and easy as making the rolled oats you still have to boil the water you still have to like put them in but it can be something that since quinoa is an actual whole grain and actually has a lot more protein to it too that that will be something that fills you up gives you a lot more nutrients um, and will sort of power you through your day in a much better way than some of the stuff that is more processed but then again marketed to us as being super healthy Okay, I want to touch on a couple of things that you're mentioning here, because first of all, I love that you're making the distinction between the convenience oats and then the steel cut oats, because overnight oats are a great way to get your oatmeal in if that's a part of your diet or something that you enjoy eating. And so I'll make sure we post a recipe for overnight oats so that, I mean, you stick those in the refrigerator, you do almost nothing to them and (laughs) soak them overnight. And the next morning, they're absolutely, they don't even need to be warmed up. Okay. And then can we post your apple cinnamon quinoa recipe? 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fantastic. So I want to comment on bread because I found this fascinating, partially because I don't buy bread anymore for my household. Mm -hmm. And I literally didn't buy bread for two years, I think. And so my son was saying, I'm kind of over the three things you've made me for lunch for the past three years. And so I'm wondering if I could have like a turkey sandwich. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, turkey sandwich. Got it. So I go to Whole Foods because I'm going to go find my healthiest bread option for him. And And I don't eat gluten right now, but I don't have rules like that in my household. I just generally try to feed my family whole foods. And so I, but I don't have like a religion against gluten or anything. So (laughs) I'm not even in the gluten-free section. I'm at whole foods thinking I'm going to overpay for some healthy bread for my kid because I love him. (laughs) All right. I'm going to share with you the ingredients of the healthiest wheat bread I could find. Okay. All right. Whole wheat flour, unbleached, enriched wheat flour which includes a bunch of stuff I won't read, water, sugar, cracked wheat, wheat gluten, yeast, sunflower seeds, ground corn, nuts, molasses, soybean oil, salt, (laughs) some more whole wheat. I don't know why that's listed again. Then whole white wheat. Not sure what that means. Soybeans. Then I don't know what this is. Tritocal, mono, and diglycerides, barley, flaxseed, millet, citric acid, grain vinegar, soy lecithin, whey, (laughs) And then non-fat milk. I was like, what is this? You know what's crazy? I think because a lot of us are so trained to look at, oh, we need more protein. Oh, we need more whole grains. Companies sort of know that and they can sort of reverse engineer and create these foods that are like, oh, yeah, your bread does have a lot of protein in it. But did you know it's because there's protein powder or soy protein isolate in your bread or like soybeans? That's so strange. But we don't even really connect that. We're just like, oh, it's whole grain. Great. So it is, it's so fascinating when you, you don't just take it at face value, you actually look at the ingredients. It's sort of mind blowing and disturbing in different ways. Well, and we're being, it's packaged so beautifully and we're being sold a bill of goods here. And you know, when we start paying attention, it's almost offensive. I mean, you can make bread by the way, with just whole wheat flour, water, maybe some honey and some salt and yeast. Like that's how you make bread. (laughs) Just just to compare and contrast. Okay. So I'm actually going to post your recipe, Sarah, here. So people, if they're interested in making the swap, they can actually just click on those links and dial your recipes right up. But let's move on because you're about to, you're about to hit me where it hurts, Sarah. (laughs) I know this one's so true. I had to learn this one the hard way too. But, um, so the third one is nuts. Stop it. I know, stop it. It's so funny. Um, You know, I know you've talked about this before, but so nuts are obviously not a bad food. They're a whole food, a real food. They're like a one ingredient food. Couldn't be more simple. But I say that there's something that they are, they can sort of sabotage your success because I think it's how people use them, right? Like they're so convenient. They're so easy to eat. You can literally just be so not in tune with, your body, you can just be like <laughs> grabbing nuts, could eat a whole bag of them. And people just use them as a meal replacement. And I think um, a lot of times it can be a sign that your body needs more protein or more fat or more substance to your food. And people just go crazy on nut butters and nuts all day long. And it actually sort of backfires because it doesn't really fill you up. And there's like a limited amount of nutrients you can get from nuts. But when you look at varying up your protein sources and varying your like fat sources, you'll just feel so much more satisfied. And like the amount and volume of food that you need actually goes down. 
So it's one of those things. Some people, again, this is a personal thing. Some people can have them like once in a while or like save them for when they travel and it's not a big deal. Other people literally can binge on nuts and like that's not going to help anything. <laughs> I, I, I find it fascinating when I actually decide to get honest with myself. First of all, nuts when you don't soak them. And by the way, I mean, I've probably soaked nuts before consumption twice in my entire life. Right. I'm just keeping oh, it real. <laughs> so yeah. if they're not soaked, then they can be pretty hard on the digestive system. Yes. Yes. And exactly. so that, that alone was reason enough for me to start paying attention. And then when I realized the amount of nuts that I was consuming, because I don't, I don't do well with meat. I'm working on it. I'm a rehabilitating vegetarian. I am really dabbling in baconism. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a big step. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to actually, I'm trying to get back to meat. It's been 23 years. So I'm, I'm it, it might take me a little while, but yeah. In any case, I was eating far, far too many nuts. And then nut butters are a major trigger for me. And the reason I mention that is because I know that nut butters are a major trigger for a lot of people. And you're just eating. I mean, when you think about how nuts appear in nature, they appear in a hard shell. Like if you had to forage for nuts, you would, you'd be like, you'd be like score if you had eight, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you're cracking them open and you're working for them. And now, you know, we're we're mad if our pistachio shell won't open totally (laughs) it's so true i know we weren't we weren't apparently designed to eat nuts by the quarter pound like some of us me do so i'm with you on that one they can be for some people they can just dabble they can dabble in nuts and for me i have to be very very careful and not very very careful i just have to be conscious of what i'm doing because i can very easily consume 800 calories of nuts and and not feel satiated Right. And I think that's the thing, like a lot of people, especially a lot of like women, for some reason, they use it like instead of lunch, it's sort of like their thing that they eat like midday because they're hungry and they're like too busy. And so I always tell my clients, okay, before you leave the house, what's your plan for lunch? What's it going to be? Because if you don't have a plan and you're, you're trying to eat healthy and you're trying to eat like real food, it's never going to be, <laughs> food is never going to appear. You have to have some sort of forethought into like, okay, where am I going to be? Like what area of town, like to stop and get something. It doesn't mean you have to make everything from scratch, but have some sort of a plan of eating lunch. And I think that helps the nut issue, like the nuttiness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, such a bad joke. And you know what I found? Um, Who knew I could talk about nuts for like 30 minutes, but one more thing, what I have found is they make a wonderful ingredient. You can make some pretty amazing things by grinding up nuts and creating sauces or spreads or dips or whatever that are very hearty and make a wonderful side dish to a meal and it's not hard yeah absolutely they're supposed to give you texture and crunch and enhance other foods that are good for you not necessarily (laughs) being like a meal in itself and if you're gonna eat them pour them out into something so that you can actually (laughs) see what is happening have you ever turned around and looked and and been like oh my gosh that container is empty how did that happen okay all right so Let's move on to some sweeteners. Talk to me about sweeteners that fall into this category for you, Sarah. Yeah, so I think the two biggest misconceptions is that um, 
like stevia and agave are like really good replacements for sugar. And I think there's sort of two issues with it. So first of all, we'll just start with agave um, because that's something that's sort of like more recent that we've heard of like, oh, it's a much better sweetener. But listen, I need to hire whoever marketed agave to us oh because they God. did a brilliant yes. job. They did a brilliant <laughs> job. Yeah. So I think it, it's just one of those lessons of like, okay, it came out. It was this brand new thing. It's supposed to be so good for you so healthy for you and everybody jumped on the bandwagon this is like very similar sort of to like the artificial sweeteners like back in the 90s really of like it's a brand new thing look you can have all the sugar you want and all the sweetness you want and no guilt and no calories and so everyone's like hey great yeah we like that idea and then you know like three or four years later oh, actually, you know, it's actually the same as corn syrup on your blood sugar. Sort of spikes you up and drops you right back down. And it's actually more processed. So I just think it's a lesson in like, okay, it sounds too good to be true. It usually is. So I like to stick with the sweeteners that have been around, the natural sweeteners that have been around forever. Like they really haven't changed. They come from natural sources. Maple syrup, as long as you do grade B, because grade B is a lot less refined than grade A. Okay. Um, and so it actually has a lot more um, like nutrients in it and little tiny minerals that you can't get anywhere else. And so you're you're getting something good out of it, even though it is it's naturally sweet, right? But you it's not going to spike your blood sugar as much as something like agave or artificial sweeteners. So that's an interesting thing to think about. And then on the side of stevia too, it's sort of the same thing. It you know everyone's like oh, but it's natural. But now they're finding that so many people it triggers migraines for them. Like it it has all these strange side effects. You don't get a side effect from eating honey. You know, it's so natural. It has good enzymes in it too and bee pollen and all these sort of nutrients in it versus something that's that never used to exist before. And and just also a side note on that because I think sometimes, again, we miss the bigger picture. So you're trying to sweeten your food or sweeten your coffee or sweeten baked goods. And the real issue here is probably sugar and needing everything to be so sweet. Really, it's just keeping your taste buds coated so that you're always going to continually crave more sugar throughout the day. And so even if in that moment you're feeling good about, you know, oh, I'm choosing the healthier version of sweetener, but how does that impact the rest of your day? Do you then crave sugar the rest of the day, every single day after every meal? Like they almost can kind of like enable more sugar and sweet consumption instead of what you're probably meaning to do with it, which is to have less of it. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. There are actual studies that show that artificial sweeteners drive and, and artificial sweeteners and natural highly processed sweeteners actually increase your sugar craving. So it's doing the exact opposite of what you're hoping it will do exactly and I think people don't realize that like and so then that makes you search for it the rest of the day and so yeah it that's again it's just something that can backfire but you may not be realizing that it's backfiring because you're not looking at the whole scope of your day or the whole scope of your week you're just thinking about right in that moment Sarah, I'm so glad you mentioned agave because agave actually has a higher ratio of fructose than high fructose corn syrup. So that's sort of a period end of story for me on agave. Um, (laughs) That that was enough for me. I was like, okay, done. So stevia is interesting. I'll share a little bit of my sweetener journey. So of course, back in the day, I was all over Splenda, which is sucralose. Um, Sometimes you'll see it as sucralose when you don't see it under its brand name Splenda. And notice that Sarah's not even talking about that. And that's because we already know 
know that you know that that has arguably neurotoxins in it. It is not good for you. You can Google that one and decide for yourself. So moving on to the more natural side of things, we've talked about agave and then stevia is interesting because stevia and xylitol, I went on a stevia and xylitol journey. Xylitol is made from birch bark and so it is naturally sourced, but both stevia and xylitol are so heavily, heavily processed in most cases. Stevia is actually a green plant. You can grow it in your backyard. Or you can grow it in your windowsill. So by the time you get it in that little packet, it's been highly, highly, highly processed. And it's not always uh, quite as healthy as maybe you think that it is. And the brands vary, but here's the deal. Both of those can have side effects. And I suspect it's because we weren't meant to consume them in great volume, Sarah. And xylitol can actually be very, very disruptive to, to the digestive tract. I was using xylitol in my bulletproof coffee back when I was doing that on a fairly frequent basis. And it took me a while to understand that xylitol made me look like I was five months pregnant. So I was like, what is happening? And so, so that was interesting. And actually a listener pointed that out to me. They said, I saw that you use xylitol. You may want to look at whether that's bothering you or not, because it's famous for creating um, digestive upset and bloating. And I was like, like, thank you, nailed it. So I guess the point here is look to nature. I, I went back to honey. I was like, honey, I'm sorry I ever left you. I know. Totally. <laughs> I'm back, honey. Okay. And, so and they like honey and maple syrup and even blackstrap molasses. They have such better flavor. There's just so much more to it, even in coffee, right? Like if I'm going to put absolutely coffee, like a little bit of honey is awesome in there. But a lot of people don't think about it. They just go straight for the sugar, straight for the syrups. Um, but that's a really easy swap to make. Those are great swaps. I actually have in my pantry honey B, grade B maple syrup and then black strap molasses. I have all three in my pantry for different reasons. And I switched back to honey um, for my coffee and it doesn't take much at all. And it's delicious. Yeah, it's so good. I love it. Okay, so pretzels, that's on your list? Pretzels are on the list, yeah. They're <laughs> just one of those diet snacks, like dieters snacks because... They were like fat free and like low calorie and you could like eat a high volume of them. But again, when you actually look at what's in them, it's usually just super processed flour and all these weird additives and chemicals and things. But I get it. Like you, you want something crunchy and salty. And um, I think a really easy thing to think about doing is swap that for even like natural potato chips, kettle potato chips where the ingredients are potatoes, oil, and salt. And the oil is not going to be good for you, let's say. It'll probably be sunflower oil or safflower oil. But in it's much better actually to eat something that's just so simple and pure, like three ingredients, your body can figure that out versus, you know, 18 different things, in, which would be the case with pretzels. And that's more processed flour, processed grains, instead of just like, okay, potatoes, oil, salt. So you can still get your salty, crunchy fix, but um, sometimes it's just as easy as, okay, just keep looking down the aisle. Even like corn chip, like organic corn chips, same thing. Three ingredients versus pita chips chips or um, pretzels or <laughs> so those things can be like wildly different when you're looking at them just purely ingredients to ingredients but it doesn't mean you can't have it or it doesn't mean you can't have a salty crunchy snack 
That's an interesting point because, you know, most people don't tune in and expect me to say, go buy some potato chips. But you're saying you could choose pretzels, Doritos, pita chips. And if you read the ingredients, you know, it's a paragraph and a half. And what you're saying, I take your point on potato chips, it's three ingredients. So you, if you're making a choice, the better choice is the one that is better. It's not the one that is perfect. Right. Exactly. And I think that's where most people kind of get lost is they you know, are going by these rules. And, and the reality is it's not about being perfect. And I think most people, especially when they think about eating healthy, it's like such a black and white thing. Oh, I'm eating so healthy and I'm on my game plan. I'm on my diet. I'm only eating these foods. I'm not eating these foods. And then there's always some like event or occasion or dinner or happy hour or something that comes up that you want to participate in. You don't want to miss out on those things. And so then people will do that and then they kind of go to the other extreme. They're like, oh, well, screw it. I already messed up my diet and I was eating so well and now I'm not. So now I might as well like enjoy it like through the weekend. I'll start over on Monday. And it's just like massive swing. Like it's so black and white in our heads. So, like we're either really healthy or we're really not. And I think there's just this huge amount of gray zone in the middle. That's where actually like this healthy, happy lifestyle lives is in the gray zone. It's not about being completely perfect. Like it's about having things you want and that you love and enjoy and you're mindful of and you're aware of and you know the things that that you love and bring you joy food wise and sticking with those and getting rid of some of the clutter stuff that's just around and you don't care about. If you don't, you just want a salty, crunchy snack. So get the potato chips instead of the pretzels you're still getting the experience of it and it's not about being like so rigid and so perfect all the time and I think that's where people just miss the boat I think that's so helpful because a lot of times you might be listening to a podcast or following somebody and they're saying throw away the Doritos and roast some baby carrots instead and (laughs) And I'm like, dude, I'm there. Like if I want something salty and crunchy, I seriously will roast something delicious and it's salty and crunchy and it's so, so, so good. And you can roast any vegetable and it's immediately delicious. But I love that you're meeting people where they are because I think so many times we skip that step and we're just like, yeah, throw away the Doritos and down those baby carrots. And I think it's so important to say, how about this? Just look at better. Better is always better. Again, perfect is so awesome often the enemy of good here. So better is better than yesterday. So where are you in your own journey and your own sort of clean house swap? And what if instead of creating the insurmountable health mountain, what if you said, how about I just make these three swaps, these three changes, and then I'll try maybe to add three more. Right, totally. And it all comes back to like, okay, if nothing else, the one thing that you think about is how can I upgrade this? How can I just have better quality ingredients or fewer ingredients? Again, the mission here is simplify. Like we want it simple. We want it easy. It should, everything should be quick and easy to read the ingredient label because it's real food and it's simple. So they go hand in hand. If you have that sort of, okay, my one theme is just to simplify, right? And just get back to normal and the basics and the good stuff. Then it's shocking how much that really like can apply to everything at the store, everything in your life. And doing that will in turn give you that, okay, like this is, I can do this. I'm just, whatever I want, I'm just going to think about upgrading it. Just better quality all across the board. One of the things that you share in your own work is just the example of candy. So if you want, uh, I don't know, a chocolate peanut butter cup or something, then you know what? Go buy a really gorgeous bar of really dark chocolate because that is mostly cacao. 
Right. And dark chocolate isn't, excuse me, cacao doesn't have sugar in it. We add the sugar to it. It actually is really high in protein naturally, and it's really high in magnesium. So dark chocolate can be wonderful. And right. then go buy some real nut butter. That's actually just ground nuts. As long as you don't have an addiction like I do, you might have to keep it in the garage, whatever. And, <laughs> and you can spread a little bit of that peanut butter or almond butter or cashew butter and spread it on, you know, a chunk of that dark chocolate. And that's amazing. And you shouldn't deprive yourself of that sort of thing, especially if you're, if you're sort of getting back to balance here, that's the way to indulge rather than this orange wrapper chemical bomb. Right. <laughs> Too. like a little seesaw on there it's just it's even better you're like why would I even waste this on a chemical thing when the essence like truly where did that idea come from it's like somebody put real chocolate and real peanut butter together think about why it. why like did that. you mess with real chocolate ever why did that happen okay so we've already done five I'm gonna throw in two more bonus round okay <laughs> let's hit those butter replacements really quickly. This one drives me crazy because we were sold a bill of goods that butter is the enemy. Butter will kill you, blah, 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 blah. And so, so many people switch to these butter replacements, which are really almost always just soybean oil or canola oil. We still can't wrap our brains around the fact that real butter, especially like Kerrygold butter, which is just sourced really well, um, that real butter actually has a really high nutrient content and is arguably quite good for you and so instead we're just sabotaging ourselves with these spreads and these you know better than butter options yeah it's huge it's like one of the first things I will tell people when we start working together is okay your first assignment this week is to cook some vegetables in butter and they're like what like are you crazy <laughs> I'm like no okay here's the thing butter's not bad for you right it's a real food it comes from a cow it's existed for so long it's a fermented source of dairy it's again yeah it has all these great beneficial properties properties. It's a good, healthy fat. Like it's a very stable cooking fat. And so I'm like, okay, cook your veggies and butter because what's that, that is going to do is you're actually going to like the taste of your vegetables for maybe once in your life. And that like, once you like the taste of your vegetables and you actually enjoy eating them, you're going to want to eat them more. So that's actually a more helpful behavior. Don't steam your vegetables and then be like, oh, I know I should eat these, but I really want to eat that chocolate cake. It's again, it's the issues of like such extreme. Just if you can enhance things that are actually good for you, like make them taste good, that put some butter on them, put some Parmesan cheese on roasted veggies. And I bet you everybody at your table is going to like want to eat those first and they'll be gone. I think it's not being so extreme. You have to use butter, like good healthy fats, if you don't have those things sort of incorporated in your life, it ends up backfiring because your body's not getting enough of those nutrients. It's not getting enough protein. It's not getting enough good, healthy fats. And so it's going to reach for that and you're going to crave it in so many other ways and things that are actually not as good for you instead of just having the real thing. And your body becomes so much more satisfied and nourished and happy and it tastes good right that's the whole point in writing the cookbook I'm like you want your food to taste good it's not about being so rigid and bland and steaming everything and then expecting yourself that you're gonna just love eating healthy you have to have some sort of balance in between there sarah i think if everybody for one week just roasted or sauteed their vegetables you would have a veggie revolution because when you wrote, all you have to do is stick it in the oven with a little, some fat on it. So coconut oil or butter or ghee and some salt and pepper. You don't even have to get fancy with spices and you roast something 
it is it just changes its flavor profile so much they're so good and then if you sauteed them in butter or ghee or coconut oil or whatever it just it's such a different experience than that steamed broccoli and half a chicken (laughs) breast and it's like not about punishing yourself you're actually enjoying your food and it's food that is good and good for you and will make you feel good um i think that can be sort of the missing piece. Well, and P.S., <laughs> when you cook real food simply, it doesn't take much time at all. You can always get fancy, but ju- right. just sauteing some veggies and butter takes five minutes. Right. It's amazing. I know. It's life-changing, actually. It was for me, in all seriousness. Okay, last but not least, honorable mention goes to fat-free salad dressings, fat-free <laughs> yogurts. I'm going to lump <laughs> them together because, yeah. I, because I hate them equally. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so true. It's, um, you know, salad dressing, to be totally honest, it takes maybe, if you're being slow, maybe 45 seconds to make. It's so funny. People are like, yeah, I don't have the time. I'm like, yeah, but you do. It's just, it's a very basic combo of olive oil, probably two parts olive oil to one part acid, which could be balsamic vinegar, red wine vinegar, white wine vinegar, lemon, lime juice. You can swap them all out interchangeably. And then a big scoop of Dijon mustard. And seriously, that's it. Like if you want to get crazy, add some sea salt and pepper. That's all you need. You put it in a glass jar or just whisk it in a mug or whisk it in a bowl. You could make a bigger batch of it and use it for the week. But um, it also doubles as like a marinade too for meat or for veggies or quinoa or rice or chi- it's just one of the I think easiest things but I think people get sort of freaked out oh it must be really fancy it must be time intensive but it's actually not and I have a great recipe I can I can send for just like the most basic balsamic dressing and then you can sort of swap those vinegars out and you can have nine different types of dressing just by doing that one thing. Okay, I'm going to add that. And then I do that too, exactly as you said. And I do an oil, an olive oil, and then my acid is apple cider vinegar. And then I use tahini in in place of the mustard for a different base. And that's just been amazing. And then some salt and pepper. And I (laughs) totally thought dressing sounded very swish and very complicated. And then I was like, oh, you dump it in a jar and you shake it. Roger that. Okay. (laughs) Yes. And if you don't want to have a jar, then you just like whisk it with a little fork and and then you're done. It's really easy. Find the time. Find the time. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. Okay. This has been fun, Sarah. I love running through just some practical tips on easy swaps that we can make and how to maybe stock our pantries or stock our refrigerator so that we can have more ready access to the things that are going to contribute to our health goals instead of sabotage them, especially Sarah, when we think we're doing right and we're actually hurting ourselves. Right. Absolutely. Tell us out of all of this, one habit you would like us to try for one week. Oh gosh. I mean, we just talked about two. Cook your veggies and butter, right? That'd be a really easy one. And then can I have that second one of make a salad dressing? Okay, Sarah, that's fun. What's one resource that you're currently in love with that you want to share with us? Oh my gosh. I love, and it's not new, but um, Danielle Laporte's The Desire Map is like, was one of those sort of life-changing things for me. It's a workbook. She's amazing. She's such a great writer, but um, it's really helpful for people who are in transition or wanting to sort of get a little bit more out of their life and, and align their life with their goals. But it's, it's sort of goal setting, but in a much more heartfelt way. She's amazing. And you said the desire map? The desire map is the name of her book. This is news to me. Uh, guys, I'm going to look this up for you and I'll share the link. Phenomenal. 
Yeah, so good. Okay, cool. Sarah, this was fun. Thank you. Thank you. I had so much fun. All right, girl, I'll catch you later. Okay. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply...